But when God buries your past, conceals your wrongs, hides your sins, covers you with his blood, he will send heaven to fight for you because you have been free from all of the above. Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. The following message is titled, The Hidden Sepulcher of Moses, and was spoken by Pastor Gary Keller. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse number 5 and 6. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley, in a valley in the land of Moab, uh, over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. I speak to you from this thought, the hidden sepulcher of Moses. So glad that Ariana is here today. And she is going to be baptized at the end of this service. That's Sister Tabitha's niece. Would you give Ariana a great big hand? We're so excited about that. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You may be seated. What an interesting passage that we read. That the Lord was the undertaker for Moses. Buried him in the land of Moab, and no man knoweth. No man has a clue. No man is privy to the location of the burial of Moses, even to this day. You see, the Old Testament serves to admonish us on what we can anticipate or expect to transpire in our lifetime. Those events that are recorded in the Old Testament are known for to us today as types and shadows. According to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1, even the law, when you go back to the Levitical law of Moses, the law having a shadow of good things to come. In other words, the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi serves as what the Bible calls an insample, or what we would say today, an example of things to come. The Old Testament serves, another way to put it would be that the Old Testament serves as a blueprint of things which we can count on and trust in to transpire during this dispensation And as you know, we are in the grace dispensation, which is a marvelous thing. Wish I had time today to preach on grace, but we're in the grace dispensation even today. So it is from the Old Testament that we find a prophetic light giving us understanding into the promises of God, and those promises are for you and me, the 21st century church. Paul penned these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting at verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them, Old Testament, for our ensamples and are written for our admonition, 
upon whom the ends of the world are come. That's us, the last day church. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So there's something connecting here. There's something connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament and the types and the shadows and the things that transpired in the Old Testament as our example for today. And he's saying to us, don't forget those things were written for you and for me upon whom the ends of the world are come and look at those things, understand those events because they took place to make sure that you and I can stand and not fall. So on this Sunday morning, I'm going to share initially with you two Old Testament examples of the power of God to rapture his people and translate them from earth to glory. Now, that's the pursuit of all of us here today. Everyone that's here, the reason you're here on a Sunday morning is we are preparing for the hereafter. We are getting ready for the rapture. I believe that this is the rapture generation and Jesus is coming back and we need to be ready. And so if we can find an example in the Old Testament or an insample in the Old Testament or a type or a shadow of the rapture in the Old Testament, then we can take heed and not fall. We can take heed and say, you know what? If God could do it then for them, he can and will do it for us now. And so this morning, I want to go back and, and pull from the Old Testament two examples. I really have two sermons. The first sermon is about the rapture of the church and the second sermon, we'll get to it in just a minute. It's about the fact that Jesus Christ can bury our sins and they'll never be remembered again. But let's look first of all at two superb translations from earth to glory. The story of Enoch and it's the story of Elijah. And it goes like this in Genesis chapter five. Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah, 300 years and beget sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch was 365 years. And Enoch, well, this is important, walked with God and he was not for God took him. He did not see death. The epitaph explaining Enoch's translation can be summed up in these 13 words. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Enoch's life was an example for all of us to follow. Enoch walked with God and you walking with God according to the type and the shadow of the Old Testament in Enoch's life, if you walk with God, you too will be rapture ready in that day. We find in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. You see, all of this about Enoch is for us, for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world come. So we need to understand what's going on here. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. You and I need to walk by faith. 
He was not found because God translated him. And before his translation, before his rapture, we find out that he pleased God. And Enoch was not found because God translated him. The fact is, he was not found and that indicates to me, when you look at that and you, you, you look at it carefully, Enoch was not found. It indicates that someone or something was looking for him. There's no mystery this morning concerning who was in pursuit of Enoch. Because anytime you walk with God, anytime you please God, mark it down, the enemy is going to be displeased and he's going to try to derail your relationship with God. So we know exactly who it was that was looking for Enoch. He was not found. Someone was looking for him. That someone was Satan and mark it down this morning. It is Satan who is out to destroy those in this church this morning who walk with God. If you please God, the enemy is out to annihilate you. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The NLT, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, lion looking for someone to devour. So as you walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and as you please him, the enemy is out to destroy you. He is out to destroy you for one reason and that is to keep you from being ready when the rapture takes place and God splits the eastern sky and comes back to take his church home. I want the testimony that Enoch had. I'm walking with God and I am pleasing God. And then there's another story concerning the rapturous event of an Old Testament patriarch and that is Elijah. His departure from earth to glory goes like this in 2 Kings chapter 2. It came to pass as they still went on and talked that behold there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven and Elisha saw it and cried my father my father the chariot of Israel the horsemen thereof and he saw Elijah no more and he took hold of his clothes and rent them into pieces so Ezekiel was taken up and Elisha witnessed it these two Old Testament events provide us who are in the 21st century church an insight into the fact that if the Lord, and this is important for us to understand today, if the Lord had power in the Old Testament to rapture Enoch, and it's a type and shadow for us, if the Lord had power to resurrect and take from this earth to glory, 
Elijah, then he has the power this morning to rapture us and take his church home to be with him. So here's the message this morning. The devil doesn't want you to be rapture ready. The devil wants you to go to hell for all of eternity. The devil desires to minimize your faith in God and your salvation. The devil desires to destroy your salvation. The devil wants you to be destroyed because you are a born again believer in the liberating power of God. But he cannot stop what's already set in motion by the word of God. We already have it on good authority. I want to give you two stories from the Old Testament as a type and a shadow of things to come. And I want to give you the writings from the New Testament that should make you understand this is the greatest hour of the church because Jesus Christ is getting ready to come back and carry us home. And I want to be ready. I want to please God. I want to walk with God. I want to love God. And if God resurrected and took Old Testament men and women from earth to glory, get ready, get ready, get ready, because there is a second coming that's going to affect everybody in this room. And Jesus Christ is coming back. I know we don't hear it much anymore, but you better keep your eye on the eastern horizon because Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to resurrect his people. Jesus is going to catch us away and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Not only is it an Old Testament example, but it's a New Testament word. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 16, and the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Can I give you one more verse? Can I share with you verse 18? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I want you to be comforted. The fact of the matter is he's coming back. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Keep your eye on the eastern horizon. Jesus is coming back. And we must be ready. And he proved it in the Old Testament. And he gave us word in the New Testament. And we stand on the threshold of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. My message, my first message to you today is walk with God. Please God. Love God. Because he's coming back and he's looking for his church to rapture. And everybody said amen. amen. Thank God for the Old Testament proof type, shadow, example that you and I have today that he's coming back to prepare, to take us to a place he's prepared for us. But what about that Old Testament story? Can God, we know that he did it in the New Testament, but is there a type and is there a shadow of people being resurrected from the dead. You know, you see this scripture says in Thessalonians that the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Do you know there are some people in this room that literally may never die. Jesus is coming back. We're going in the rapture. I pray it's today. I'm ready to go. 
I'm ready to go. I took an examination this morning in the fireplace room and prayer time. And I said, Lord, I want to be ready. I want to please you. I want to walk with you. And I felt a confirmation. You know, every once in a while you need a confirmation. If you're going to take a, a trip, you're going to fly somewhere. They give you a confirmation number. Well, I've got a confirmation number this morning. Hallelujah. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. If it dwells in you, hallelujah, it's going to quicken these mortal bodies. And this mortality is going to put on immortality and this corruption, incorruption. And we shall be changed in the moment and the twinkling of an eye. Get ready. He's coming back, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is coming back. So it begs the question, is there an Old Testament story that we can look at that affects not Enoch because he didn't die, not Elijah because he didn't die? What about that person in the Old Testament that died? Was he raised from the dead? Do we see him anymore? And that brings us to our text today. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died the Lord buried him. No man knoweth where his sepulcher is until this day. Can I preach to you right now? I wish I had about an hour to preach on no man knoweth where your sepulcher is. Can I tell you, we're getting ready to baptize Ariana in just a few moments. And when she goes down into the water and she gets buried with Jesus Christ and she comes out of that water to walk in the newness of life, that's where the enemy loses track of where she is at. Because it's at that moment that her burial is hid. There is no, my Lord have mercy. Hallelujah. There was a story that a minister shared with me yesterday afternoon. And that minister shared with me that in a village in Africa, and Brother Gibbs comes up against these things. There was a, a village in Africa where the, the, the chief over that village was a satanic uh, worshiper of, of Satan. And, and he didn't care. He, he allowed different Christians to come in. So-called Christians come into the village and set up their, their, their church and start their church. And, and it would always happen about a year later that, that he would go in and summons up every devil he could. And, and, and he, would, he would be informed on to all of that individual's problems and that, that missionary's wrongs and, and things that he did wrong. And, and so at, at about a year into every every time a missionary would be there about a year into it, he would come and just expose everything that that missionary had ever done and he would be run out of town. But one day, there came a missionary that had the name of Jesus and the blood of Calvary and the spirit of God upon him. And one year into it, that, that satanic worshiper summonsed every power that he could. And when all came back to him, that all we have on this man 
is from the age he was born, from the time he was born until the age of 13. But something happened at the age of 13, and we have no record of him even being around. And that man came up to that missionary and said, who are you? I can't find anything out about you. All I know is from the day you was born to you were 13. He's old. That's when I repented of my sins. That's when I was baptized in Jesus' name. That's when I was filled with the Holy Ghost. That's when I have the power of God in my life. Can I tell you right now, when God buries you, when your past is buried, it's buried. The devil cannot chew. The devil cannot dig it up and bring it up. It's under the blood. I wish somebody would praise God for the fact that your past is under the blood of Jesus on this Sunday morning. Would you clap your hands and praise God? Hallelujah. That your sins are under the blood. Now, I know that you have, because I did until I saw this this week, until I, until I saw this, and I've never preached this before, but when I saw this, I said, oh, my goodness. Because, you know, Moses, I like Moses. Man, Moses stretched forth the rod and the Red Sea parted. I like Moses. He did a lot of great things. But let me tell you something. Moses was a man. And Moses had faults. Moses had failures. Moses had transgressions. Moses had iniquities. Moses had sin. Moses did things wrong. Moses wasn't perfect. I wish somebody would get on the B3 and give me some music right there. Hallelujah. Amen. Because I know you. I know where God brought you from. You remember the pit that you was dug out of. But the enemy cannot bring that up. Hallelujah. Moses had a lot of transgressions and a lot of mistakes. First of all, he was named by his stepmother, Pharaoh's daughter. And she gave Moses his name, Moses. It's not an Israeli name. It's not an Israelite name. It's an Egyptian name. And Moses lived his entire life without ever confronting the fact that he was walking around with an Egyptian name. I think that's a problem. I think that's problematic for Moses. Moses was a murderer. Do you remember he looked out and he saw an Egyptian fighting an Israelite? And Moses goes out and says, I'm getting in on this. And Moses kills an Egyptian, murdered him. Wasn't his fight, had nothing, didn't have a dog in the fight, gets involved, kills a man. So number one, he's got a name not given to him by the Israeli people in the land of Goshen. He has murdered a man. First of all, those two things should raise a red flag. And when the Lord called Moses to lead Israel out of bondage, he literally had no faith in God or what God was saying to him. He had no faith in himself. Hebrews chapter 11 tells it's impossible to please God without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So let's look at it. He had the wrong name. 
He murdered a man. He had no faith when God spoke to him. He was disobedient to the voice of God because God spoke to him in the wilderness and said, Moses, speak to the rock and water will come out of the rock. Doesn't do that. He takes his rod and instead of obeying God, he smites the rock and water came out. Not only that, the Lord entrusted Moses with the Ten Commandments. Moses went to the mountain. God takes his hand and reaches down in one commandment and two commandments and third and fourth and fifth and sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth. Moses comes down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments in his hands. And when he sees the iniquity of Israel, he shatters them on the mountainside annihilates the word that God has given to him. I'm trying to paint a picture that this man was not perfect. When you read in Numbers chapter 14, you'll find that Moses came up against an Amalekite. In your Old Testament, when you read the, Amalek, the word Amalekite, are the Amalekites are Amalek. When you read about Amalek and his followers, they were a type of sin in the Old Testament. Amalekite sin. Doesn't matter. Read it. Go to your Bible. Pull up the name Amalekite. Every time you see him, they're at war with God because God said, I'm never going to be happy. I'm never going to coexist. I'm going to destroy the Amalekites from under the heaven. That's the word of God. And Moses is defeated by an Amalekite in Numbers 14. So now we know that he was defeated by sin. What a travesty. When we begin to read about the fact that Moses doomed an entire generation to die in the wilderness because of his mistakes, his transgressions, his sins, and notwithstanding his disobedience to the Lord God, and he was prohibited to even go in to the promised land. And God said, I'm going to have to bury you. Look at all the things that you did wrong. Hallelujah. And this is something very important that I must share with you in this house of worship this morning. When Moses died, God buried him. When Moses died and was buried by the Lord God, I cannot make a stronger case for you to adhere to and receive from this pulpit this morning than this. When Moses died and was buried, all of his mistakes, all of his transgressions, all of his sins were buried with him. Hallelujah. The fact that he changed, never changed his name to an Israeli name and went by Moses that was buried. The fact that he murdered someone, buried. The fact he had no faith, it was buried. The fact that he was disobedient to the voice of God, buried. He shattered the Ten Commandments, buried. He was defeated by sin, buried. He doomed an entire generation to a wilderness, 
buried. I'm telling you, the fact that Moses passed was buried by the Lord God caused the enemy to try to find out where he was buried because it is the devil's business to never let go of your past wrongs. It's his business to dig up everything that God has forgiven you of. But when God buries your past, conceals your wrongs, hides your sins, covers you with his blood, he will send heaven to fight for you because you have been free from all of the above. The enemy said, I'm going to find out where God buried him. Well, our text said, no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. And so the devil is out to dig up Moses, to dig up all of his past. And the Lord said, you know, I don't even have to come and handle this. This is, this is a beautiful thing today. The Lord said, I see what you're doing, devil. I see what you're doing. You're trying to find the body of Moses. I, you know, I'm not even going to waste my time. I'm not even going to waste my time, my energy on you. I could come down and take care of this, but just to show my people in the 21st century how weak you are, I'm not even coming down myself. I'm going to send the archangel Michael. And Michael's going to take care of you. You're not touching the body of Moses. You're not touching his past. It's behind him. I buried him. And I'm not even coming down myself. And I have scripture from Jude verse 9. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, disputed about the body of Moses. In other words, God said, Michael, go take care of that devil. Can I tell you right now, the enemy has no right to dig up your past. If God buried it and God put it under and and God has put his blood over it. The enemy has no right to come. And God's saying, I'm sending my angels. I'm praying right now for God to send angels into this house today and remind somebody, hallelujah, you have the glory of God. You have the anointing of God. Your past is forgiven. It's under the blood. No devil can bring it up. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. You need to thank God today. Hallelujah. That we're in a rapture generation and that all of your sins have been forgiven you. And this is my message right here. I've been waiting all morning long to get right here. Because the next time, whoo, Lord, help me to do this without shouting. No, Lord, let me shout. Praise God. The next time we see Moses, he's found in Matthew chapter 17. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother and bringeth them into a high mountain apart to the mountain of transfiguration. And let me just remind you that when Jesus, Peter, James, and John got on that mountain, the glory of God came down. It was so powerful that it knocked Peter, James, and John to their knees and finally to their face. They got into the glory of God. And in the glory, oh, in the glory of God, 
we find a little something going on from the Old Testament. We find a man that never did see death, and we find a man that did see death. He brings them to the mountain and was translated before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was as white like light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying when Jesus revealed the glory of God in his life, he reached back and got one that had died and one that was raptured. Can I preach right now? That's a type and a shadow for you and I. The rapture is going to take place and the dead in Christ are going to rise first and we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up into the glory of God. Can I tell you, I feel his glory in this house that he's coming back. Are you ready? Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Jesus is coming back. So herein lies the message today. As I close and the musicians come, here it is today. Here is the example of the Old Testament. Here is the end sample of yesteryear's writings between Genesis and Malachi. Herein lies what we must know today. If the Lord God buried Moses, and if the Lord God buried all of his wrongs, and buried all of his sins, and buried all of his transgressions, and buried all of his iniquities. And if the Lord raised Moses from the dead and allowed him to appear at the mountain of transfiguration, there is hope for you this morning. Second Corinthians 5, 12. Therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Can I read to you a long passage of Scripture? I'm just going to let the Word say what the Word says in Romans chapter 6, starting at verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized in Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father even so also should walk. We walk in the newness of life for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death and we have we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection and we will knowing this that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed and henceforth we should not serve sin for he that is dead is free from sin now if we be dead with Christ we believe 
believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that all died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm just preaching to somebody. We've got some Old Testament examples that we can be saved, rapture ready, Holy Ghost ready today. So how does this go, Pastor? How does this work? Ariana is going to get baptized in just a few moments, and and she's already repented of her sins. The first thing we've got to do is, is repent of our sins. I'm going a different way. I'm going to turn around and go a different way. That's what repentance is. And be buried with him. That's where the enemy cannot follow you any longer. The Egyptians followed Israel into the Red Sea. But when the last Israelite got out on the other side, God turned the water in on all the Egyptians, proving to them that when you go through the water, your sin cannot follow you to the other side. And Miriam got her tambourine out, and they started worshiping God when they saw that their sin could not follow them to the promised land. I'm just telling you that when you repent of your sins and you're baptized in the wonderful, powerful name of the Lord, all of your sins follow you down into the water, and not one sin can come up out of that water. And he promises you a mountain of transfiguration where his glory, his Holy Ghost, his spirit floods your soul. This is a great, this is a great story today. This is a great Old Testament example and example for us to follow that we too can be delivered. I've shared this story. We've got some new ones here. I'm going to share it again. It happened when I was an evangelist 35, 40 years ago. I got on a plane in Dallas. I know some of you have heard this story, but I must share it today. I got on a plane in Dallas, or in, in Houston, flying to Dallas. And I sat by the aisle. There was an empty seat next to me. And there was a young lady curled up. Her feet were up in the seat. I couldn't just sit like that if I had to. She's sitting on her feet, got the seat belt on. We take off. She doesn't say anything to me. She's, I don't say anything to her. Take off. We get up about 30,000 feet in the air, and the stewardess comes by and says, what would you like to drink? And she says, I'll have an orange juice. I said, I'll have a Coke. And so instead of leaning over me, the stewardess handed me her orange juice. And I turned, and I handed her her orange juice. And the first thing out of her mouth is this. I am a vegetarian. And I said, I am a Pentecostal. And she started, it opened a floodgate. We was, I, I've often said this, we, we, were, we was in her neighborhood at 30,000 feet where the air is rare. She's up there. And she started telling me why she was a vegetarian. She said, if we would just take all of the grain that we feed the cattle and the chickens and the horses all the people that starved to death last year in our world would not have starved if we would just all be vegetarians. And I had just read an article, I believe it was God, that if we in America, not the world, in America would just give up our beer, 
the amount of grain it takes to make beer would have given everyone who died of starvation that year three and a half pounds of grain per day and no one would have starved. I was so glad to be able to say to her, let's not give up our steak. Let's give up our beer. And so she took it from there. And she said, when I get out of college, I said, college, I thought she was 15 years old. I'm in my second year of college up here in Dallas and, and uh, I'm going to open a vegetarian restaurant. And, and then she just took it from there. And she says, as a matter of fact, uh, another thing is this, I believe in reincarnation. I said, we really are in your neighborhood at 30,000 feet. I believe in reincarnation. She said, I don't think I'll come back as an animal or a plant, but I believe I'll come back as an individual. And she said, I believe that if I die, I'm going to live again. I said, gotcha. I'm a, I agree. She said, I believe if I die, I will live again. And I said, I might as well blow her right out the window. And I said to her, well, you are looking at someone. I may never die. Exact word, she said, that's beautiful. What do I need to do? I said, just a minute. I may not get off in Dallas. She said, what? I said, I may get off before we get to Dallas. She said, what? I said, I may go right through the ceiling. She said, I love it. What is this? I had her. I said, I repented of my sins. I got baptized in the powerful name of Jesus. I'm filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is coming back. And he may come back before we get to Dallas. And if he does, I'm getting off. I'm going through the ceiling. I'm just telling you something. This is a real deal. I told her, I gave her information about the churches in Dallas. I don't know what happened, but she got a testimony. I'm just preaching to somebody right now that that's what it's all about. The enemy cannot follow you. Once God has forgiven you, you're on your way to heaven. Can I tell you, I may not leave through those doors this morning. Jesus may come back. I may go, I may go right through the ceiling. I know we don't preach it very much, but Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.